Welcome to the Digital Dissection Podcast, hosted by Joe Vinipole and myself, Mark Benke. We're two pop culture nerds dedicated to celebrating our favorite properties and talking to the creative minds and personalities that make them great. You might learn something new about pop culture history or rediscover the recent past. Follow us on social media for weekly pop culture content where we're always dissecting. Joe, did it feel like we started cursing more after 2004? Uh, I mean, kind of. And, and by kind of, it's in that way where, like, you know, you'd be at a party and you'd start smoking. Like, I only smoke when I drink. Um, but in this case, it'd be, I only swear, but I only fucking swear with a British accent. That's, <laughs> yeah. that's what you would do in, uh, in 2004. It just became really cool to scream at someone as though you're from the UK. Oh, I mean, I, I, it's not that we didn't know who the, who the English were before no. this point in time, but <laughs> I feel like, uh, with, with like Guy Ritchie showing up and, mm -hmm. and then suddenly this, this magnificent bastard by the name of Gordon yeah. Ramsay, mm -hmm. he, he decides to start taking over reality TV in the early two thousands. And it, it, I feel like I changed personally yeah like my... i mean it, it was it was a it was a game changer because until this point with american broadcasting television movies we thought the only role for the british would be to be an enemy to be a villain <laughs> or an antagonist but someone's like wait a second what if he's mean but for good we <laughs> thought whoa whoa what? okay uh... I, you know, that's that's something we will definitely get into because uh, <laughs> it, it's a topic that I think a lot of people mm -hmm. have kind of debated about Gordon Ramsay throughout the years. You know, I I, I remember uh, this gal I used to work with at Home Depot. One time we were just kind of making chat and suddenly the topic of Gordon Ramsay comes up and she's just like, that Gordon Ramsay, he's not a good guy, is he? And I was, <laughs> you know. I was like, you know what, Carol? I really want to debate this right now, but mm -hmm. you know, it's 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 eight thirty on a Friday evening, and I kind of want to get out of here. Yeah, you know? mm -hmm. ain't no time yeah. to debate at that at that point when working. <sighs> not not retail because that was the Home Depot days, wasn't it? That was that was the Home Depot days. Yeah. So mm -hmm. I uh, I I look back at some of those days fondly, but not all of them. <laughs> but, yeah. Mm -hmm. So looking back though. If we kind of go through the time machine, I know we typically do this for the retro reviews, mm -hmm. but for TV, I think TV is a little bit different of a topic that is worth going into because a lot of video games, I feel like we still remember because yeah. they're adjacent to things. You know, we mm -hmm. you see the cartridges, you're like, oh, yeah, 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 I still play that one. It may get tucked away for a while, but it doesn't really leave your, you know, your, your purview. No, uh, but I feel like TV disappears quickly, though. I mean, do you, do you think that it's it's harder to remember TV at this point? Like, just overall? Absolutely. I mean, especially especially this point in time in television, because this is where, like, you start to get a fad developing, right? Where reality TV is really taking off in this time. Reality competition is really big. Uh, and you start getting this influx of shows not like Kitchen Nightmares necessarily, because it is... It is reality, but it's the first time we're really seeing like the ugly part of of being in the kitchen. So this is kind of this amalgamation of all of these reality shows kind of meeting to a point. And it's not like there was just like one or two of these like reality esque shows this time. It, they were they were everywhere because this is pretty fresh off the heels of a writer's strike, isn't it? Where uh, yeah, one of the earlier yeah, ones. Yeah, yep. Yeah. Where uh, you do not have a lot of like really scripted shows obviously reality tv is scripted and not saying that but like really thought out scripts those just weren't happening in this time so we're looking for a plethora of things to fill airtime and a lot of stuff just kind of gets forgotten in the process this is not one of them um just because of the personality of gordon ramsay i think it sticks out in our minds a lot easier than its competition yeah. uh and the fact that i think the show either made a comeback this year or like just never actually stopped. No, it's hard no, to it, tell because of 
Mm-hmm. It, it definitely, it definitely uh, got canceled, but mm-hmm. it was canceled by Gordon Ramsay, and I, I will explain that in a minute. But the mm-hmm. the time period that it first came out was in 2004, and so around that period, you actually have like Ghost Hunters coming out. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have, uh, I'm I'm pretty sure Deadliest Catch was like the year after this. Yeah. Um, but then uh, then you have like Orange County Choppers. I mean, like th- this mm-hmm. was. This was like core memory time for, for uh, I, I would say millennials of our of our uh, of our age. This was like mm-hmm. this. This was my peak time with like Discovery Channel, TLC, oh, yeah. you know, A and E. Like this is when I was watching all those. Oh um, yeah, we still have like Monster Garage at this time too. Speaking of just good good times, this is uh, post Junkyard Wars from the Science Science Channel. Ah, oh, good times. <laughs> what a time to be alive which uh <laughs> sadly it was already almost 20 years but mm-hmm. it, now the kitchen nightmares that came out in 2004 though very very clear dividing line this was called ramsey's kitchen nightmares yeah. which was technically in the uk mm-hmm. so it was the initial core concept that he would bring to the americas but the original version of the show was actually uh much more grassroots in production it wasn't it wasn't HD, you know. Mm-hmm. If if uh, if Ramsey had any any Botox in his in his uh, forehead ridges, you know, that, not noticeable that, yet. <laughs> not noticeable. No, 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 he he was like in Klingon territory for a little bit there. So yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So and it, if yeah. if you if you have not seen any of the British version of the show, its original versus the the American, there is a stark contrast in how Gordon Ramsay does deal with the nightmares found in said kitchens. Uh, so, Mark, what do you think is probably the, the biggest change in Heads Up uh, when you compare the, the British to the U.S. that is to come in a few years? Well, for one, there's just the way that people speak to each other mm-hmm. over there. Now, you, you also have to remember, though, when we're talking about Europe, we're not just talking about British people. Like, th- there's a lot, lot of kitchens that have, you know, French talent in them because mm-hmm. that's, like, the you know culinary education center of the world. So yeah. every every now and again, you, you do see some arrogance in these kitchens that he went to. But I would say the biggest difference is this like tone shift where he's talking to people. He's still cursing and kind of like what you're used to. Mm-hmm. But then there's like times when like he's talking to a chef or something and you can tell it's like if it was like uh, in America, these mm-hmm. people would be like getting it, it, like increasingly aggressive with each yeah. other as they're speaking, but mm-hmm. he's like talking to a chef and he's just like going, he's like, well, fuck off then. And the guy's like, going, well, what do you tell me to fuck off for? You don't, you don't tell me to fuck off. You fuck off. And, he, and he's just like, well, well, I came here to help you. You fuck off. And, and they're just like, but like they're telling each other to fuck off. And it's almost polite in a sense, yeah. <laughs> but um, mm-hmm. so there, there, there's that, but then there's this side of Gordon Ramsay that, at times shines through in, in what comes later, but like he'll, he took a, a very early on, he took a group of chefs at one of these restaurants that he was trying to fix. And they went out and played a game of football together or sorry, soccer. Mm-hmm. They played, played soccer together. <laughs> and it, it was, mm-hmm. it was a, a, you know, it was actually a, a team building moment. It was bonding. It was, yeah. you know, it was actually kind of mm-hmm. heartfelt. And so that was one of the biggest things I noticed, but I, I don't know if you agree with that or not. I do completely. And I feel like even though in the American version, we do kind of get this, not kind of, it is, it is a big part of every show that you watch um, of, of the series is that usually the problems are much bigger than the food. And Ramsey tries to do something to solve that within the episodes, uh, within the, the confines of the episode. So um, a lot of times um, in the American version, it looks more like an episode of intervention <laughs> than yeah. him going yep. out there and like just having a good time uh, with with the kitchen staff. But it is it is it re- there is a resemblance between the two shows. Yeah, yeah. Which I got to say, I'm one of those people that absolutely buys into this concept that he's been putting together now for almost 20 years. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, I so Joe, I'm sorry to mention this, but. Uh, he, he had uh, motel or hotel hell that came out shortly after this, mm-hmm. which I, I have to say is probably my favorite Gordon Ramsay series. Like the 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 hotel hell thing is is unique, uh, mm-hmm. and we're not talking about it in depth today. But 
just for comparison's sake, like Hotel Hell, he will go and completely revamp everything about the hotel. And there's usually a restaurant in him too. So there's like a, you know, a, a little bit of commonality there. Mm -hmm. um, but I, I will say for the, th this whole restaurant idea, the fact that, you know, over 80% of restaurants are usually failing anyway. Yeah. It's, it, it's, it's making you wonder right away. Like, like the more you watch it, the more you think, is this concept worth saving? You know, should he go in there? You know, mm -hmm. it, it's, well, it's, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it is a concept that I think is, is good. I am, you know, I have not seen any of the 2023 series yet, but I think it's worth coming back. Um, and I know we haven't gotten to why Ramsey decided to cut the cord on himself. I am mostly going to say his blood pressure is probably the reason why it had to go. Um, especially the American version, as opposed to the British. Um, but like I like looking back at their series and again, dealing with the people had to just be mind like numbing for him. And, and it's not the people who just clearly don't get it uh, in, in like an innocent sense where they're like, they think they have good food because they like their own cooking. And the Rams yeah. is like, no, no, you have like, you have no palate. Like there, there are some people who claim to have a geographic tongue that can just soak up all the flavor. You have like a bag of sand in your mouth and that's what you use to like help shovel things down your throat. Um, like those ones, like you can feel for these people. Like they just say, like, literally they have no idea what they're doing, but then there are the episodes on the show where they are completely standoffish and th absolutely think they know what they're doing 100% of the time, despite the fact yeah. they're talking to like, you know, a world famous and successful restaurant tour that is Gordon Ramsay. So if he says, Hey man, this isn't working, you may want to listen to him. And it's those people that make it very, very hard to watch sometimes where they just seemingly don't get it. Yeah. Yeah. Like in the 2004 series, uh, which had 27 episodes, mm -hmm. there was only maybe one or two instances of a chef who actually was making really good food knew exactly what they were doing, but the concept just wasn't working. Like they mm -hmm. couldn't get foot traffic in. Maybe the prices were yep. too high. Yep. And and so that was very unique. Like you're not usually going to get no. Gordon sitting there going like, oh, this is really good. What, what mm -hmm. What's actually the problem here? You know, that doesn't yeah. happen. So mm -hmm. um, yeah, but like when, when he brought it over to the United States in 2007, though, they definitely dialed it up to, you know, reality television standards in the U.S. at that time. Like they, they definitely went with, okay, you know, I think you showed a little too much humanity, Gordon, in the beginning. <laughs> <laughs> you, you, you need to scale that back a bit. <laughs> yeah. You, you really got to bring it in this one. And I, you know, I, I, mm -hmm. I, I think it's, it's worth explaining a little bit here. So one thing about the, the reason why it ended up getting canceled uh, back in 2014 initially was because Gordon I think he was getting burnt out on trying to change the minds of some of these people. Mm -hmm. And th there was one chef in particular that just continued to give him a hard time. And uh, you can see it in some of these later kitchen mm -hmm. nightmares episodes that sometimes I think they just pick the wrong personalities and they're just not going to work out. And, and Gordon knows this mm -hmm. the whole time. It's like a fleeting thing. So, Oh yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, at one point he just said, "You know what? This is way too difficult. Mm -hmm. We're gonna break. We're gonna we're gonna step away." Yeah, absolutely. And I I think I have a feeling I know which uh, which um, restaurant owner that that may have been. But we'll we'll save that for later for some. <laughs> I guess like if we do highs and lows with the show today, I think um, <laughs> highs and lows. I don't even know what to do because I mean the whole thing like from a U.S. standpoint is kind of like reality series like high. It is everything Americans like in reality TV and that it's it's drama. It's like terrible personality to other people. It's confrontation from start to finish. Um, a British man saying fuck a lot. It, it's got oh, everything yeah. we want. Um, but as far as like the worst of it, like you said, just some of these people whose minds clearly will not change despite like him showing them success. And then they're just like yeah. fucking throwing it out the window. Like that's that's gotta be too much but like any any good reality tv series there is a bit of a formula to the show so mark tell us how does one wake up from a kitchen nightmare 
Well, typically it starts mm-hmm. with the ask. Like they'll they'll show you who these people are behind the restaurants and mm-hmm. they will give you kind of their profile, their story and let them kind of tell you their side. And usually it's not like crazy long. It's a couple minutes, right? But by the time Gordon gets there, I feel like there there's an unannounced level of surprise because sometimes it feels like people know he's coming and then other times they don't. And it's a really weird, you know, middle ground. I, I feel like they have to know he's like on the way. Oh yeah. But it, I, I, sometimes it just, you, you wonder though. Uh, and so like in, in some of the later concepts that he would come out with, uh, there was a, uh, a, a different version of this where he would like, it's called like 24 hours, I think like Gordon's mm-hmm. 24 hours. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. and he would bring like this big, you know, RV and all this stuff out. And he would, he would actually disguise himself so that people didn't know it was him. Mm-hmm. Now, whether or not you think it actually worked is, is up to you. But the, but w- with kitchen nightmares though, I feel like most of the time they know he's there and they must be instructing them not to change anything. Like don't, mm-hmm. don't touch a thing. Don't, if you don't clean, continue to not clean. Right. <laughs> like, if you, like, like if you don't clean, don't stress yourself out. Just don't. keep on keeping on. Well, there's that one soul food restaurant he went to and there was literally a dead mouse in the Ugh. foyer when he oh. walked in. Oh, uh-huh. <laughs> and, and, and like people like there's like, there's dozens of people who went to that restaurant that day. Gordon walks know. in and he's like, is is that a dead dead mouse? That's a dead mouse. Is he's just how long has he been here? Does anyone know? <laughs> yeah. Fuck me. <laughs> Holy shit. And and yeah. it's it's like like you said, it is like this almost everywhere he goes. There is just some like again, like how like I don't know if it's like the Midwestern to me that thinks like, oh, I'm having company over. I should try and make my my place look nice. These people are just like, nah, it's fine. Um, I think one one standout for me is Fiesta Sunrise um in season one. Uh, yeah. It is this guy's second restaurant, and you know it's a second restaurant because the menus are literally from his first restaurant, and he just taped over the old name with the new one. Yeah. Um, and when Gordon goes in and is saying, like, hey, this rice like feels old. When was it made? And he's like, yesterday. He's like, fuck you. It was made yesterday. It wasn't made yesterday. Yeah. And then he goes and asks him, like, hey, when was this, this fish made yesterday? Fuck you. It wasn't made yesterday. Everything yeah was yesterday until gordon's like someone asked the cooks in their language when was this food made they're like oh we made that last week friday he's like yeah fucking hell like everything is that and at one point um where this show kind of really builds is that there is an inevitable meltdown where gordon watches a night of service at a Mm -hmm. restaurant and really wants to see, okay, well, after I've sat down, I've ate the food, I've checked the kitchen, I've seen bugs in every walk-in cooler and everywhere that they shouldn't be. Uh, it's time for me to just watch these people try and work. And yeah. like, there has to be something going on where like the show will advertise, hey, we need a few more people than usual to come in and eat. And they get people to come in because typically when Gordon comes in at the start of the show, like every place, most of these places are barren. Um, and no one's there. So they get a little bit of a busier night, um, going on. And in this one in particular, I think Gordon literally brings out like this, like plastic garbage bin that they'd been keeping refried brains in, like they made it and stored it in there. And it was like fucking solid. It was, oh, oh God. Mm. And different, different colors Mm -hmm. too. That was the part that really like makes your stomach just, just pinch. Is like it's oh, like refried mm-hmm. refried beans are already one of those questionable textures. Yes, I, I will mm-hmm. I will eat it. Trust me, I will eat it. Mm-hmm. But when I when I saw that bucket and you see that there's like a a, a dark brown color, that there's a light one, there's a tan, and I'm like, I know the color that refried beans mm-hmm. are supposed to be, and it is none yep. of those. <laughs> no, this is this is definitely like an ogres have layers scenario, and really oh. neither of those things, like refried breeds and ogres should be in the same conversation as each other but when that's the inevitable like not even necessarily breaking point for a lot of these places it's just really showing where things go down mark what's what's the formula tells to do next well after he's usually ordering like half the menu right like he's usually trying to figure Mm -hmm. out like what are your specialties what do you claim you're good at um every now and again you do see a menu that has like a, a person in house who specializes in making desserts or something. Mm-hmm. And, and he, 
he immediately notices that stuff, right? Like he, oh, obviously yeah. he's, he's, mm-hmm. a, he's a trained chef, obviously, but, mm-hmm. but like there are times when he's like, wait a second, this food, this, all this other stuff, this is clearly shit. This is frozen. Who mm-hmm. made this? I need to know who made this. Yes. And, and if there's one thing I want to uh, admire about Ramsey before we kind of go through the formula here, mm-hmm. it's that he can pick this stuff out so fast, but he can also kind of pick like, who are the real players here? Like who are the people mm-hmm. who are actually, you know, in this that are dedicated, that want to be a part of this. And, uh, and so that's, that's something that I think is really cool to kind of watch work. Like once, once you see what the facade is, right. The, the tough Gordon Ramsay, the guy who curses, the guy that gets in your face, he's trying to test these people on purpose. He's trying mm-hmm. to break them. He's trying to do this stuff. And once you kind of get past that, it's like the rest of this starts to make sense. Right. Yep. Uh, mm-hmm. so, but yeah, dude, once, but once he's away from like the table, and he gets in the back, as you mentioned, he's tearing stuff apart. He's looking for like, okay, what's the freshness back here? What? Mm-hmm. And, and honestly, that refried beans bucket is not even the worst of it. Um, no. <laughs> if, if anything, I'm shocked by the amount of people that put like raw chicken on top of like oh. cooked food oh, God. And, and like, there's like decaying fruit that's like on top of fresh mm-hmm. fruit. And you're just like, this should never happen. Yeah, how have these places <laughs> not killed people yet? Like, like, holy shit. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you see people get sick while he's there. And, Mm -hmm. and like, there's, there's several episodes where like, there's literally people vomiting. And, and what I still can't understand is how like some of these Mm -hmm. pizzerias he goes to, like, how can you fuck up a pizza? I know so (laughs) bad. But then again, like, this is also like, actually, there's, there's an episode of this that actually makes me think of a, a business in my hometown who I, I, I won't name, although there are only two pizza places in my hometown. One of them is a pizza hut, and that's not the one I'm talking about, <laughs> where he he has a pizza, and he's like, it's, it's just all grease. Like, you lift up the slice, and you see yeah. the cheese go right Slight. off. And I had this experience at, my, at this local pizzeria, and I was literally told when I picked the pizza not to drive too fast while the pizza was still hot. Otherwise the cheese might go off. And I wanted to be like, then you're doing it wrong. Yeah. Like you shouldn't have that much grease on a pizza where I'm just suddenly without cheese because they took a turn a little over the speed limit. So, yeah. but you're right. Yeah. Like how do you fuck up pizza? Uh, especially the American pizza. It's, <sighs> it's just to the point like we have Americanized it so much. Some might say, you know what? You got to have just the right amount of sauce, just a little bit for flavor. And then you get to the Midwest and Chicago treats it like a goddamn casserole and says, no, mm. 90% sauce, 10% everything else. And it still works. So it's like, say, how the hell do these people mess it up? I, I have no idea. But the, the whole thing that you kind of come to realize here is that the majority of these restaurant owners have no idea what they're doing. And that's not just on the TV show. I do think that there's mm-hmm. a, a majority of restaurants that just don't know what they're doing Mm -hmm. but obviously gordon ramsay is there to do typically at least a small kind of remodel Mm -hmm. occasionally he gets into replacing maybe some of their older appliances uh yeah there there's some where like there's a broken ac unit and he says okay how can you have a restaurant that's like 80 (laughs) degrees in here but but you know whatever and and so they'll do you know state-of-the-art um you know point of stale technology he updates a lot of that stuff for them but mm-hmm. the, the crazy part about it joe like when you look at some of these renovation shows like if we're going for like full-on like house hunters and stuff like that like oh, those yeah. shows mm-hmm. those are meant to be about the remodels and that kind of stuff right because mm-hmm. on on these shows like yeah these are huge facelifts and a lot of work that goes into it but they're usually the shortest part of the the episode yeah uh the, the big reveal isn't really it it's Mm-mm. it's how he's working on the people that are there and i gotta say yes a lot of reality tv is trash but <laughs> I, I feel like he actually mm-hmm. takes time to focus on people like i i mean do, mm-hmm. do you think that they they maybe hide that too much or hid that too much when they were advertising this show oh absolutely uh and it's just because again like american reality tv is like it emphasizes so much on conflict among the characters that are in the show uh that we we really want to just kind of see that there's a build and a lot of times reality it's very quick resolution rev, uh, yeah resolution if anything at all and it just kind of either like 
spills over the next episode or it gets solved quickly and the new conflict arises as drama between characters like occurs. Um, so it's just something that isn't a drawing point, at least in an advertising sense for a reality show. But I, I don't think I can stress enough that it is, it is quintessentially the most important part of every episode is Gordon working with the people to try and get them to see why the restaurant was failing and it is their attitude towards change and each other that is going to solve most of those problems. And like, I think in the episode that does get emphasized quite a bit, especially, I think, um, I think it was like, I don't know, it was burger shack or burger stand. Uh, but basically it was a, the first two parter of this series. Uh, mm -hmm. and you could just see that like the head chef is like, making fun of the owner's wife constantly um the owner and his son who he basically swindled money from to make his business um yeah. those two are constantly at each other's throats and then like the son and his wife his wife just hates that entire family around that restaurant and she's supposed to be in charge of making sure money's being spent properly and it's just everything everyone who is has any point of power in that restaurant hates the other person or other people with equal or more amount of power than them. So getting that dynamic to change was paramount. And I think they spent probably half of the second episode just working on them getting to like be civil with each other. Yeah. I mean, it, there's a, like back when it first came out, I don't know if I really bought into the mm -hmm. the drama side nearly as much. Like it, it, it just didn't really land with me as well. And then as I got older, though, I started to go. I totally get how those two don't talk to each other anymore. Oh, yeah. mm -hmm. <laughs> and and you're, it's almost kind of sad that you're like, all it takes is like one bad day that extends mm -hmm. into a second, and then to a third, oh. and then the next thing you know, it's like three years of not talking anymore. And. Mm -hmm. God, you just and you can see it. You can see it on this show. Oh yeah, it's, and it's 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 exactly why Donnie S. Tricky does not do business with family. Like he just sees it and he's like, no, no, thank you. See, and and that's why I love Donnie S. Tricky because he has one of the best statements ever made in a movie, which is, "I can't swim, I know I can't, so I keep my black ass out of the pool." And it's like, <laughs> you know what, Donnie, I appreciate uh, that. I can't, mm -hmm. I can't do certain things, and I, you know what. <laughs> I, I'm gonna tell somebody. That. <laughs> yep, yep. I, I know, I know uh, where I'm not needed. Thank you, Donnie. I, I mean, will tell someone now. I mean, I've I've had a Donnie S. Tricky moment in life uh, where I was at a conference and I went to the wrong like session, and it mm. was very clearly meant for elementary like learners. And I'm like, I am here for middle school stuff, and I am in the middle of everyone, and I am too embarrassed just to get up and walk out. So I just picked up my cell phone. I'm like. Oh, oh, wait, she's having the baby? She's having it right now? <laughs> and then I just got up and left. And they applauded as I left because, you know, it was a room filled with middle-aged women who are <laughs> elementary teachers. And they love kids. So when they hear a new one's coming into the world, they got really excited about it. And I just went back up to my room for the rest of the day. I'm like, I'm done. I can't. I can't yeah. have a face. No, you, now you now just... I have a family that I have to care for up here. I was going to say. Imaginary. Yep, you have a theoretical family that you have to explain away tomorrow. So let's let's just figure that one out. Mm -hmm. um, so okay, so we so we've talked about this a little bit, but I feel like this is a discussion point worth kind of opening up a little bit more here. You know how how much are we really seeing of like the Gordon Ramsay persona mm -hmm. versus you know uh, like what is just entertaining, right? Because. Mm -hmm. We, we've talked a little bit about how we straddle some of these lines, but Joe, do you see a dividing line here? Do you, do you see a, a front in a way? Like, what do you, what do you see on this? <laughs> uh, there is, there's heavy straddling Mark um, in oh. this because like, if you, you do watch the British one and, and like, like, like Mark pointed out that you do get some confrontation, but it's very, very polite confrontation where they are still swearing at each other. But it's one of those things is like, you know what? Maybe that's just British. Maybe that's just <laughs> what they are. It's like their whole system of swearing just makes no sense to us. So if they're not saying like, fuck, we get nothing. Like it's all yeah. gone. It's lost on us. So since he's not like being over there, like he, he drops a bloody hell every once in a while and that's supposed to be really bad. Uh, but if he's not saying he shat on a turtle, then fuck, is he really even all that mad in the British episode? 
So it's, it's this idea that like there is some conflict. And a lot of times when, when Gordon does react to things in the British one, he's just like, fuck, this is bad guys. Like, holy shit. How'd you let it get this fucking terrible? Like he is very much, he is, it's a, it's a guttural and visceral like reaction that he has to seeing something disgusting, or he's literally exhausted all forms of conversation where he's like, I just saw you all like just really, really like get mad at each other and you're at each other's throats and fuck how to get this bad. And that's, Mm -hmm. that's kind of how he is in the British one. And it's because he had that, he's not afraid to like swear at people or swear with people, I guess, as laughing at someone, laughing with someone sort of thing. Um, That kind of attracted this idea that this could work in the US, except if you're going to swear in the United States, Gordon, you got to really mean it. So it is just like, you know, dialed up to 11 to really make sure we know Gordon is not not just disgusted, he is furious with people in the American version of it. I think that's that's probably the most accurate assessment because it, when he's like swearing at people in the UK version, feels like he's still talking to them like on their terms. Like it's, it, mm-hmm. it, I think I think there's there's something about the locales that he goes to because they're typically smaller UK villages, right? They're not like yeah. he's not going to London or something. Like he's he's usually picking a more you know rural restaurant clientele. So it, at times I feel like he is, I'm not going to say he's going easier on them necessarily, mm-hmm. but you, you definitely feel him like, instead of going like, you know, all the way up to the top of his cursing ladder, like, no, mm-hmm. he's going to, he's going to keep it kind of under control for a bit. But in, yeah, in the United States, he does not hold back. I mean, Mm-mm. he's literally just calling people, you know, stupid and, and that, you know, <laughs> you're fucking donkey. And mm-hmm. he's, he's, he's really, cutting through that bullshit like he he just he just rips right into people and so it's it's a wonder that idiot sandwich didn't come out in this series as opposed to another one (laughs) (laughs) it really is oh mm -hmm. well but i mean surprisingly he's uh he's not usually getting involved in the expediting in in these though like he he does the expediting in hell's kitchen because you know that's kind of the whole point is that they they need to experience the stress of working for him right Mm-hmm. But in this one, he's not usually expediting. If anything, he's spending his time trying to educate these people how to properly run the kitchen yeah. and and how to read a ticket and how to, you know, how to communicate, you know, like, I mean, I, I only worked in a restaurant for like a year and a half. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and I mean, you learn how to communicate with the people who are around you, but when you see a kitchen that isn't talking at all, and and this, this happens a lot, by the way, mm-hmm. <laughs> like, like people just aren't talking to each other. It's like, how does, how does this happen? I mean, I, I mean, shit, I used to always be, you know, mm-hmm. if I was walking near somebody, I'd say behind, you know, behind, mm-hmm. you know, or, Hey, uh, left, that, here we go. Yep. Yep. <laughs> hey, that's mm-hmm. got five. That's got five. Hey, they got two in that's got seven. That's got eight. Mm-hmm. And you're like, we're always talking to each other. So like, when I see this, I'm like, what, what, like, yes. Are they monks how? back there? What are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. If anything, mm-hmm. I, I think it's it's kind of eye opening to, you know, how a kitchen should operate and mm-hmm. letting you see what's back there. I mean, I, I mean, Joe, a, to me, a kitchen's a kitchen. It's like it's like mm-hmm. envisioning what's going to be in a bathroom. There's usually not a whole lot of surprises there. No. <laughs> but but every now and again, you you see a, a kitchen where you know there's like they've got all their toppings and stuff in like one corner and they're like, yeah, we pushed it over there because it was harder to have to go around it to get mm-hmm. to it. Like you start seeing the rationale of these people and like you do see some kitchens where it's like, I am not shocked that it took an hour to get my food. Yep. Yep. This, uh, this all adds <laughs> up pretty well. And, and like you said, like when you have this whole idea of, or like this idea when, when you see that they're not talking to each other, it's no wonder that when someone finally opens their mouth to say something, even something innocent is like, Hey, how much time we got left on that steak that someone's pissed because now you've called them out on their work. And this is what like mirror man pops and say, I know I got to think so goddamn personally, but, uh, it's where they can't handle any sort of criticism to what's going on. And mm-hmm. they just 
lose their mind. I mean, the number of chefs that I think walk out on the show, whether or not yeah. they are the head chef or the executive chef of the kitchen, which also is really great that when Gordon sees that title, he is going yeah. to demand something from that title. Uh, where yeah. like, hey, if you're calling yourself an executive chef, you better fucking prove it, pal. Um, yeah. Otherwise, how dare you try and say you're on my level? But like the number of either them uh, or sometimes wait staff walks out on the show, um, it's it is no wonder that like these things are failing when these people either won't talk to each other or they have made some sort of bizarre like barely there and hanging on like kind of mentality to the restaurant, which brings us I think to one of the biggest criticisms of the show that you actually had brought up is that when you see so many restaurants just kind of fail within their first three years. Um, and I even remember like when I worked at a, uh, at a privately owned small restaurant called Speakeasy in Janesville, I remember my owner saying, hey, I've made it two years. By restaurant terms, I guess that means I've made it. Um, yeah. So like it was, it was just well that she was profiting at that time of the, of the restaurant. But with so many closing anyway, was it really worth Ramsey's time to try doing this and worth our time to watch this, Mark? I, this is something I've thought about many times because you almost have to wonder, like, is he just doing this for the ratings or is there like a, like a financial component where it's like, yep, we're going to help you get on your feet, but Fox also gets a few dollars at a time. Like th those are the kinds of things you're like, what, what's, what's the really real, the real motivator here. Mm -hmm. And and so obviously from a commercial standpoint, I, I get what Fox is after, right? Oh, obviously yeah. Fox knows what they have. They have this, this firecracker of a dude who's going to eviscerate people mm -hmm. and, and get to the bones here and, and really start building from the ground up. Um, but yeah, I, I, I have to say that in the beginning, yeah, I definitely would say it was a failed experiment because there, there's literally a tracker for Gordon Ramsay, which is like, are these restaurants still open? And people used mm -hmm. to do it like, as the as they there's a live list of it you can see every project he's ever worked on and mm -hmm. and so in the beginning yeah i would say it was an absolute like failure from a lot of the restaurants standpoint because they most of them closed i mean yeah they they, they very rarely ever stayed open and so mm -hmm. um i would say though ramsey was actually solving problems though i mean mm -hmm. he, he he was addressing you know, spouses that were on the verge of divorce, you know, he, he was bringing together siblings that hadn't talked to each other for years, who, you know, work in the same space. Mm -hmm. So, so yeah, I, I would say the experiment failed. But the, yeah. the impact of what he was doing, there's a lot of good folded in there. I, yeah, I, I think fighting the good fight is what Gordon Ramsay was doing here, is that he is someone who knows how to make a business successful. He's someone who knows how to prepare food incredibly well. And he's trying to share that expertise with people who are struggling. And yeah. I mean, in many times, like it just, even when he shows them how to do it, sometimes it just, it's, it's too little too late. Um, as you can say, especially, I mean, there are some businesses you find out like they're hemorrhaging cash. Where they're saying like, yeah, we're we're losing ninety grand a year. Mark, could you imagine being a small business and losing ninety thousand dollars a year? Like it's it's mind blowing. Like how do you recover from that? You can't just have a few good nights with Gordon Ramsay and hope it's all fixed. Like you've got to you've got to do something to keep it going, and you can only hope that you know what he's done is enough for them to learn. But like you said, for a lot of places, it just it's not enough. And not every concept is going to make it either. I mean, mm -hmm. it, like if I ever saw him go into uh, a restaurant where he really challenged the concept, this would happen a lot on the ho the when he would go to hotels. He mm -hmm. he would like because because hotels a lot of them are either based around a gimmick or something, and it's usually mismatched with the clientele and the people that are in that area. Mm -hmm. That that doesn't happen so much here because you know most restaurants can exist in a you know three or four you know, block area. And mm -hmm. they may not be the only unique burger joint. They may not be the only unique Korean place, right? Mm -hmm. So he he wouldn't really go in there with the intention to just rip it all out and go, we're going to do everything this way. He would just be like, no, I, I actually want to keep in the spirit of what you're trying to do mm -hmm. and and make this concept the best concept that's yeah. here. Mm -hmm. And and so 
once again, it's this, it's this interesting uh, presentation of, you know, he, he's almost using all these commercials and the explosive moments to obviously to get you to, to watch. Mm-hmm. But once you're there and the longer the series went on, by the way, he would try to get closer to the problem, which usually wasn't just operations. It was usually individual people. Mm-hmm. So I, yeah, I got to say, dude, I've defended Gordon Ramsay for a long time. I, I have. I've defended him for a very long time because mm-hmm. I know that a lot of what he shows people is not who he actually is. Oh, it's, yeah. It's, mm-hmm. Yeah. hundred percent. And again, if you, if you doubt that for a moment, watch Master Chef Jr. He is awesome with kids in that show. Yeah. And you have to know, it's like if someone, someone can be like that with kids, like probably gonna be fine. They're probably fine with adults. And that's where, again, like you just know like, when you, you compare again, the British version to the American version, it's, it is part Gordon Ramsay and part character that he's being asked to portray here. And that's where we kind of get, you know, both the highs and lows of the show when you are seeing Gordon Ramsay, like either take things up a notch or like him actually trying to help with you with you see the real Gordon Ramsay. So, Mark, in your mind, what's a high point of the show? So for me, I would say the high point is that this is a series that is still on TV. Now, yes, mm-hmm. there was a, a break of almost nine years. Uh, but during that time, Gordon Ramsay was doing other stuff. Now, as there's been this this progression throughout the years of like what the show has tried to do and how it really mm-hmm. evolved based on the time period, because I mean, yeah, 2004, 2007, you know, 2010 area like era, the show is is a different feel across those years. But once you get to the 2023 version of this, um, mm-hmm. it's, it is a much different, you know, kind of family oriented uh, focus. Like he, he's really focusing on restaurants that have, you know, deep personal problems. And so uh, that, that's the one thing that I found to be probably the most stark. And I would say it's a high point because if you didn't want to watch it in the beginning, or if there was something about the, the early format of the show that you just didn't care for the 2023 format, I think is much easier. It's much more digestible, no pun intended mm-hmm. to, to be able to sit there and watch. Mm-hmm. Um, but I will say Joe, cause I, I, I can't just say it's all high on the other side of this, this high, there is the low of like watching people actually kind of emotionally suffer. <laughs> and, yeah. mm-hmm. and, and, and that's tough, man, because you know how the last couple of years have gone for me. There have been times where, you know, you and I are talking about a topic in like last season, for example, mm-hmm. where behind the scenes, you and I are like shells of ourselves. Yeah. <laughs> and, and we're, we're pulling it together and talking about mm-hmm. something that brings us joy for, you know, for a few minutes. And I'm like, I see some of these restaurant owners and I'm like, man, that sucks. Like yeah. I, I'm not getting entertainment value from this. <laughs> so yeah, it, it's, it's like I, I picked a gray area topic. Okay. Like I picked a gray area on purpose. Cause I think, <laughs> I think you're going to get both of it here, but Joe, feel free oh, yeah. to your highs and lows. Let's hear them. Uh, my highs are it's fresh frozen, man. You gotta <laughs> love this. It's fresh frozen. <laughs> It's not, it's, it's not a term. It's not a thing. <laughs> it's <laughs> so. What do you mean, fresh frozen? The the highs for me are definitely the people who are honestly really trying and just don't understand what they're like, what they're talking about, or quite what they're doing, and they are very willing to hear Gordon, and they're receptive to it, and they want to try and make a business in their. Uh, a, a difference in their business and fresh frozen was a perfect example of this where it was a man who said he had um i think he was getting i think it was may have been seafood and he was talking about how it was it was fresh frozen it was caught and immediately frozen to seal the flavor and yeah. gorgeous like i don't think you understand <laughs> what freezing does to water and that it makes it expand and it bursts blood vessels and it just it fucks up the meat pal like it's you can't freeze things um and so like people really learning from gordon i think was was always the high for me and when you see um like these restaurant owners and these um like and and people working at the restaurant really get that glimmer of hope from gordon saying like hey look 
we can do it. Um, it's, it isn't, there isn't like what we're doing is all bad. There's something worth saving here. And he gets them to see that in almost every single episode, which brings me to the low point, which is also the people Gordon is trying to save, ironically. Oh, uh, yeah. And you have to look no further than Amy's baking company in 2015. Yeah. This yep. like this has got to be the one. Like, if there's anything that made him quit, it's this episode. Um, and this is one where, like, on the surface, Gordon does come to the restaurant, and he's like, "I don't know why the hell you need me." He he tries their food. It's like your entrees are good, your appetizers are good, your dessert is out of this literal fucking world good. He's like, "You can cook, you can bake, you can do everything." What's going on? And then he sees how the owners handle criticism from anyone, whether it's yeah. customers or the war they have with Yelp uh, or their yeah. own employees. And someone says, Hey, you know, I want this medium rare. It looks a little overcooked. And then the owner's husband walks out and says, you're an idiot. You know, nothing, get the hell out of my restaurant. And he's like, yeah. I just thought that it was overcooked. And like, they were being berated for it. They have this little wait staff in tears every night. And then you find out that like, a lot of the waitresses aren't even getting paid all that much because they take all of their tips and they decide how much the waitresses should have based off of how they basically feel on any given day. Mm -hmm. And when Gordon was really laying home, hey, you know, you have the cooking down and that is a huge part of the battle that a lot of these places I've been just don't have. It's this next step that I think you could do really easily with and you could fix it if you're just willing to listen to people and make small changes here and there because you've got the big stuff it's this that you won't cave on that needs to change and they refused this was like the only episode that i can think of where Gordon's like you know what can't fix it and he walks yeah. out and he's gone and it's it is hard to know and see that you have these people who are so close-minded they refuse to take any criticism Gordon gives up on them and you've got all the people that work for them who just feel defeated in the entire process. And I guess like the only solace you can take in this is knowing that Amy's banking company did fold in 2015. So, yeah. and it has they held on for a everything. while though. They did. They, yeah. they hung in. They, they did get some popularity from the show because they were assholes. Um, yeah. But you know, didn't, didn't, didn't help in the long run. So that's, uh, that is undoubtedly, my low is seeing really the worst in um in the industry here uh but yeah. now that we've got our highs and lows out of the way mark how does this show persist in the minds of others and why do you think it was able to come back well the comeback i think we'll start with because gordon chose to do that right like he I, i'm not going to say that every single one of his ventures has been successful but They've definitely been entertaining. I mean, we, we've okay. literally talked about uh, five different shows, six different shows already <laughs> that mm -hmm. he's that he's been involved with since 2004. So if anything, this TV show did a couple things. It, it vaulted him into superstardom. I mean, mm -hmm. he already successful chef, already good at what he was doing, yeah. and then just went and suddenly it's like, holy shit, this guy is so crazy markable, like, mm -hmm. or marketable, I should say. Markable is a, <laughs> that's like a failed idea of my own, like, food creations. I don't know. But I think you should, I think you should coin that one. Markable? Yeah, this is markable. Yeah, we can do <laughs> I'm not arrogant enough to try, but maybe, <laughs> maybe after a few beers, I don't know. Um, or maybe it's just what you'd have, like, something that you you can just tolerate for a while like you're drinking like you, you try a new beer like it's not great but it's markable you just you, 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 you yeah. go through it mm -hmm. yeah but that's that's when someone leans in and goes stop trying to make markable happen it's it's <laughs> it's not gonna happen <laughs> but but in this case in this case he he kind of re like imagined the celebrity chef right because the ones that I knew growing up were like Dom DeLuise and uh, like Emeril Lagasse, you know, and everybody knew Wolfgang and, and you know, th those guys are like trained specific, you know, uh, I, I would, I would say uh, non-confrontational chefs, right? Like, they, yeah. <laughs> and suddenly Ramsey's just going in there and like basically flipping tables and then, you know, throwing things at people and then going, but I'm still here to help you. And you're like, okay, that's weird, but oh. <laughs> let's see how this plays out. 
know? <laughs> I thought so, you were gonna take us to Flavortown and then we'd just be happy afterwards, but no, there's there's real yeah. growth happening here. Yeah. I mean, if anything, uh, I think he ushered in a new era of reality TV and not just cooking TV. And mm-hmm. it's, it's, and it, there's a reason why it's persisted for 20 years because it's fun to watch. You know, like you're, yeah. you're pulling back the curtain, showing people how the sausage is made. And you're also just showing how fucked up things can get back there. Like, yeah. mm-hmm. to me, that's just entertainment value. So, uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't know. What do you think? I, I think it's the exact opposite of um, when Tim Burton calls Danny DeVito and Danny DeVito does a, lets out a big sigh and goes and grabs his top hat and cane and <laughs> leaves his house. Um, yeah. It is Gordon Ramsay, like you said, is just marketable. Like anything he touches, like he it's 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 gold to a degree, even if it's like even if it's fool's gold for a bit, it's still very shiny and we all enjoy it. Uh, because on top of like the things we've talked about, he's got, I think a series called uncharted, which I may be partial yeah. to, I don't know. Great show might just be the name, but, and, and this, you could just see Gordon, like do shit to like, actually like get his food as opposed to just cook it. Um, yeah. and to like hilarious effects sometimes when he, he's picking like berries out of the forest. He's like, how often do you do this? Oh, every day. And how, fuck, how long do you do it? Oh, 13 to uh, 20 hours a day. Ah, oh, fuck me. Seriously. <laughs> and then, <laughs> and he, he turns around, he cooks and he's like, I, 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 he has, it is always fun to see someone who again is that successful and has done very well for himself. Cause you know, he's had so many shows at this point. He doesn't have to work another day in his life and he's set. He's fine. He doesn't need it, but he keeps doing it. I would have to say, because like maybe he actually likes it and he, he enjoys what he's doing on top of actually getting paid for it. But I think it's just because Gordon Ramsay himself, again, just highly entertaining, no matter what he's doing. And clearly he's in, he enjoys doing it, which just makes us like watching it that much more. Uh, and I think that is, it is, it's probably the reason why we keep coming back for more, despite what level of Gordon Ramsay we get, whether it is full Hell's Kitchen, idiot sandwich, or this pork is so raw it should be fucking a frog right now uh yeah. to like master chef junior where he's like hey you tried you didn't win today but you tried and he and he's like and that is huge and don't stop and he goes and gives the kid a hug it's like he he can be at both ends of the spectrum and we're happy to get gordon ramsay and your mother it's at a polar end or somewhere in the middle <laughs> yep and you know what mm-hmm. not every restaurateur may listen to gordon ramsay but we do thank you for listening to us here at Digital Dissection. And as always, we appreciate everything the Dissection crew does for us week after week. And your support does go a very long way. If you happen upon this show by accident, however, why not drop us a review, comment on the show? Yeah, and also, we always, always love hearing from you. Uh, so feel free to message us over at digitaldissectionpodcast at gmail.com. We welcome your ideas for future shows. You know, maybe a future restaurant or two to try. Uh, We just hope that you ask us to go to something that's clean. (laughs) And until next time, keep on dissecting. 